0: Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. This is Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Eva Love. And in 1989, Eva had a profound spiritual experience where she was given techniques that transformed her life. Within three weeks, Eva's life changed so dramatically that everyone around her wanted to have the same. That launched her into teaching and working with clients, leaving her high-powered corporate position. Using these tools, she's attracted the love of her life They've been together for 25 enchanting years. (laughs) Her love miracle system has created extraordinary results. 87% of Eva's single clients are either married or in a committed relationship within 12 months months. She's worked with over 85 clients and having her own betrayal experiences. Eva's come to this topic having healed from each heartbreaking treachery and she's helped many of her clients heal from their betrayal experiences as well. And I've known Eva for a few years and I've always been so drawn to her warmth and loving spirit. She's used her own tools to hear from four big betrayals, learning so much about strength, love, and forgiveness each time. She's known as the relationship. Mentor, and you're going to love her. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to share this time with you. Let's just dive right in. You know, I really wanted to get you on the podcast because sometimes we've been betrayed once or twice, and you seem to have a whole string of them. <laughs> you're 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 like a betrayal. Magnet for some reason. So yeah, yeah, I did that for quite a quite a while until
1: I got through it and cleaned that mess up in my inside myself. Where wherever we have wounds within ourselves, those are the things that we attract.
0: So that's what I want to I want to dive into because what do you think your wound was that attracted? Let's just talk about the first betrayal.
1: Well, the first betrayal was my first husband, who was philanderer, you know, a womanizer and an alcoholic. (laughs) So what I learned from that, first of all, was I discovered, uh, this happened of course, when I was very young. And when then I got a little older and I realized that, um, what I did was I had this profound spiritual experience And when I had that, a lot of information came into me. And one of the things that I realized was that I had a lot of wounds to heal, you know, a lot of painful experiences, uh, starting with my dad beating me as a child. Anyway, so this first husband, you know, was constantly cheating on me. And finally, I left him and divorced him and took my children. And that was the end of that. But the pain of what had happened stayed with me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and whenever I would think about him, I would be angry that he had done this to to me. And and I was never one to be a big victim, you know. But there was a victim story there. And so, when I prayed about this, when I said, "Okay, so what? How do I heal this?" What I heard was, "You have to look at yourself." So. The question that I heard was, had I ever been unfaithful to
0: myself? Oh, that's interesting. What was your answer?
1: Yes, I had. Mm -hmm. I had abandoned myself for other people constantly. And I wasn't faithful to my values, to who I am. You know, I had tossed those things out to the window just to marry my husband, my first husband, because I just wanted to get out of,
0: you know, home. (laughs) <laughs> mm, right. And, and so when you realized that when you made that connection, how did that help you? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I felt
1: this power, this sense of of taking responsibility and realizing that my own it seems like it would be a downer, but it's actually a huge weight was lifted off of me because I realized that this hadn't happened to me, it happened as a result of an unconscious belief system that I was holding. I didn't realize that I'd been unfaithful to myself. I wasn't conscious of it. I wasn't doing it on purpose. So I wasn't beating myself up for it. So there was no criticism or beat up going on for me, but it was just this realization that, oh, but when the real freedom came from was in the forgiveness and mm. forgiving myself, I didn't really need to forgive him Because I'd already really done that. But the pain had stayed with me. And whenever I was able to forgive myself of the guilt of having married him and of of having – because I didn't believe in divorce. And so here I had gotten a divorce. And I was very ashamed of that, Mm. that I had gotten a divorce.
0: How'd you make peace with that? And how did you come around to forgiveness? Because it's such a, for so many people, a monster topic. We know how healing it is, but it can be so hard to do. How were you able to?
1: Well, I think first of all, recognizing that it was an unconscious belief helped me to not beat myself up. And then I think the real, the real thing with forgiveness is that it's a choice. It's not some feeling that comes over you at the whim of your muse, it is a decision that you make to forgive, to let go, to love yourself. I mean, I always love that quote, holding on to anger is like uh, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. And to me, that's the way when you don't forgive, you're just keeping that poison coursing through your veins because it is poison.
0: I mean, it's toxic. It's so toxic and and it does physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual damage. So then once you, once you were able to forgive and once you had that realization that you were being unfaithful to yourself, what did that lead to?
1: What that led to was me committing to being faithful to myself, me committing to being true to my values, me committing to not selling myself out for the attention of a man or selling myself out for some boss's approval or selling myself out for whatever it was that I was doing, being with people that were doing things that I didn't feel were right. And, you know, it used to be, I would think, oh, well, I shouldn't judge them. Well, I wasn't judging them. I was just going, you know, this isn't in alignment with my values and I don't choose to participate.
0: Can you remember an example of something that, let's say, the the you before you realized that would have said yes, and then the you after you had that realization, something you said no to? Yeah, well,
1: something I said no to was being fake, trying to be what some man wanted me to be and deciding that if I was going to be with the man and he wanted me, he wanted to be with me, he would like me for who I am not who I was trying to get his approval from. And so that was the first big decision to be true to myself, to be myself and to let it be okay if I started dating someone and they didn't like me and they didn't respond to me. It was like, okay, well, that's not my guy.
0: And you know what, Eva, I don't want to glance over that because for so many of us, we may have the best of intentions that yes, we'll stay strong and we're not going to cave and all of this, but our old pattern pulls yes. us back into, Oh, well, I'll be liked if I do this. And how did you maintain that strength? What'd you do? Well,
1: because I practiced the being faithful to myself. I, I kept that forefront in my mind. One of the things that I wanted more than anything after this profound spiritual experience, because I had then gone through a second divorce where I'd almost literally almost killed myself. I mean, I'd driven to a to a uh, cliff to drive off mm. and heard the voice inside say, don't do this Eva, you're sick. It's like you're, you've got the flu, you'll get over it. Stop the car. And I was able to stop the car, thank God.
0: Was this your second betrayal? It
1: wasn't my second betrayal, but it was my second marriage. And after that is when I had this profound spiritual experience because I had gone to the depths one way and had gone, you know, done counseling and all the things that you think will help you, but none of it helped me. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to finally just say, God, help me. And in that moment, I had this profound spiritual experience where I felt the light and the warmth and the love, and it was just amazing. And then the next day, these tools that I've been teaching since came to me it was 29 years ago.
0: And you know, it's so amazing. You hear this time and time again, how we have to be, of course, we're never broken. We only feel broken, bent, but we have to be at that point where we absolutely surrender. Complete surrender. That's exactly
1: where I was. I had done everything I knew to do. I had gone to shamans. I had gone to spiritual teachers. I had gone to ministerial counselors. I had done every kind of therapy, hypnotherapy, you know, all kinds of therapies. I had I mean, I'd spent three years and literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Anybody who said they could help me, I was shelling out the dollars. I had a big corporate job, I had plenty of money, so money was not an issue, just, I just wanted to get well. But I wasn't, you know, it's like no matter what I did, it just phew, went right by me, it didn't go in. And so finally, just with my back against the wall, I didn't know what else to do, I was in total despair. I knew I wasn't going to try to kill myself again, but I didn't know how I was going to go on. I was just so miserable, and I was making everybody around me miserable. And I just knew I had to do something. So,
0: yeah, it's so interesting because yeah, here you were, best of intentions, going to every healer you can find, yeah. and you just you just couldn't find the healing. You know, it, with so many people who've been betrayed, trust is such a big part of it and it's it's even in trusting all those healers, it's it's hard enough because we've been betrayed, we don't trust ourselves, we obviously don't trust our betrayer. And it's hard to trust in this new person, this expert guru Dr. Healer, who we sort of put our our hope in and you did repeatedly, yeah. and that still yeah. didn't work. So then what happened after that? You mean the next
1: betrayal mm-hmm. that I encountered? So the next betrayal was uh, again it was back uh, after my first divorce and i had moved back to my hometown uh, Tulsa Oklahoma and my brother and sister-in-law lived there my mom actually both my brothers at that time were living there and but one brother was really i was really close to and he was my main support and before he married his wife you know he was helping me you know he was like the amazing uncle to my children Anytime I needed something, if I had a flat, I'd call him and he'd come fix it for me. Or if I if something happened to a, a, you know, faucet in the house, he'd come and fix it for me. You know, he just was there to support me. And I really had no one else. Mm -hmm. And I was really poor. I was really broke because I was working and going to school full time after I got my divorce and, you know, taking care of my two children. So so my sister-in-law and brother came over one night and said they wanted to talk to me. And my sister in law sat there and said to me, you know, she was going to forbid her husband, my brother, from ever helping me again because now he had a wife and his devotion and his time needed to be put toward her. And I was not to call him anymore. I was not to ask him to help me anymore. That it was just not, it was not okay. Wow. Well, I was so devastated. And the thing about it is, I didn't know how to speak my truth. I didn't know how to say what I was feeling. I held all my feelings inside. I didn't let myself cry until they left, which actually was a disservice to them because they had no idea how devastated I was.
0: And I want to back up a little bit. So your sister-in-law said this and your brother was there? And he didn't say a word. Wow. And of course, who
1: I was angry with was him Mm -hmm. because he didn't he didn't say anything. He didn't take up for me. He didn't, he knew what was going on. He saw it, but he was just trying to, you know, please his wife, I guess. So it wasn't until after my spiritual profound experience that I was able to heal this too. So I said, um, again, I went back in and I asked myself if I had ever been silent when someone was hurting when some when someone was doing something that was hurting someone and it was yes i had not only had i been silent with others but i was silent for myself i didn't even speak up for myself
0: Mm.
1: and so again i went through the process of forgiving myself and letting go of the hurt it was a deep wound. It took a long time for <laughs> me sure. to let go of that. But I did. I was able to let go of it.
0: You know, what's so amazing is it's each betrayal is a mirror. Yeah, it is. It, it's like it acted as a mirror for you, showing you exactly what needed to be healed within you. And I didn't get to, what was the key takeaway from that third betrayal? So not the brother, not your first husband. So... The
1: next betrayal was I had a friend of 20 years. We were both way overweight. She was almost 400 pounds and I was 230 pounds. And I had a conversation with my boss to ask him, why had I not gotten a promotion that I deserved? And he said, I will call you a liar if you say I said this, but it's because you're overweight. And I was the only woman in the executive team. And I was, I should have gotten this promotion to a higher level. And they passed me over. So I said, well, that's fine. I'll lose this weight. And so I, boy, I was determined, you know, just tell me something and I'll
0: fix it. So I lost 100 pounds in five months. My gosh. How did you handle just even hearing that because or being motivated by such a negative comment? When somebody tells me something
1: that I can fix, oh, I'm all over it. You know, if you tell me I've done something wrong and I can fix it, I'm just there. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was, you know, it was like it was like a thing already accomplished. As soon as he told me that I that I was overweight, I was just like, okay, well, that's done. I've got this handled. (laughs) I just knew.
0: Right. So clearly you have no uh, problem taking responsibility, but it's still hurtful. It was very hurtful. Yeah. So how did you how did you even handle the the, dealing with him after that or or just even? the Well,
1: you know, actually, I didn't feel bad about him because he was just giving me the news. What really hurt me was that my best friend quit being my friend. That was the betrayal. It wasn't my boss. Mm -hmm. My boss was on my side. He was trying to help me because he really shouldn't have said what he said and he knew he shouldn't have said what he said. He knew that it was against the law, but he was a friend and that's why I went to him. And he told me the truth and I appreciated that. I I wasn't angry with him. I wasn't angry with the men that had made that decision because they were just operating from their belief system. And, you know, I didn't take it personally, but what I did was took responsibility, like you said. But what happened was when my girlfriend quit talking to me, quit answering my calls,
0: we didn't have text back then, but that was devastating. And we always know this from weight loss, when one person is on this healing journey, and this is now eating healthfully and changing the way that they do things, it forces the other person to take a look at what they may not be doing, and they may not be ready or willing. And there's this sense of abandonment, you know, on one hand.
1: See, and that was, that was my feeling, because when she was, you know, her weight, and I was my weight, and we were going to eat ice cream together and have our diet Cokes, (laughs) with our hot fudge sundaes. (laughs)
0: Don't you love that? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, then, you know, what was fine. But when I was wearing a size six jean and, you know, she was still huge in her moo it was such a contrast. And of course, I wasn't eating ice cream then. You know, I wasn't doing all those things. And it was just too much. So, how I handled this one, because it really hurt, we had been the best of friends. And, I just didn't think anything could ever come between us. I just thought we were friends for life. And when she just had nothing to do with me anymore, I sat down and really thought about her, about what would cause her to do this. And I just found myself having extreme compassion for her, just realizing that this was the only way she could handle it from her perspective. And that it was too painful for her to be around me. And that I wouldn't want her to be, because I loved her. She was my friend, you know. We'd been friends for, like I said, over 20 years. Mm. And so I didn't want to be around her if it was going to be painful for her. So I was able to forgive that situation. Actually, I didn't even have to forgive her. I didn't feel bad toward her. I, I felt the pain, but I didn't blame her. I just knew it was the situation that she wasn't able to handle. Right. So that was the third betrayal.
0: You know, a constant theme that I'm seeing with you is just there's so much empathy, whether it's, it's just in someone else. You see them, you're able to understand. And in looking at it from a different vantage point, there's not that... Um, defensiveness or bitterness it it truly sounds like this understanding and this forgiveness that's just so so natural that comes as a result and so freeing and well, yeah i want to tell you that the forgiveness part was practiced i didn't get good at forgiving without
1: forgiving mm. see it takes practice to get good at forgiving so what i do with my clients is i have them make a list of all their wounds and I work with them on going through each one of them and forgiving them, so they can get practice with forgiving. Because the more you forgive, the easier it is to forgive.
0: And I think also with forgiveness, too, we think it's this. Like you said before, you know, we think it's this one big ta-da moment. <laughs> it's it's layers and stages and 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 over time and with a willingness for sure. So you said so you said there are four. When I remember yes. before we spoke, so what was the fourth? So the fourth one was the worst.
1: So there was a woman in our community who was like a mother to me. My mother passed away. She and her daughter didn't get along and we were just so close and she was invited to every family get together. She was at Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, holidays. Anytime we were doing anything, she was always there. And so she then decided that we had done something bad to her which we d- did not do she made up this whole story and she sued us and she didn't just sue us because it was it, when we got the suit we thought oh this is just a frivolous lawsuit you know it this isn't going to take much well she wrote to every law enforcement agency in the country from the justice department to every every department of any anything that where she thought she could get us in trouble. She reported us to, you know, the governor's office, to this local sheriff. I mean, any place she thought she could get us in trouble. And of course, now we're getting investigated <laughs> and we're having to hire all these lawyers and defend ourselves for nothing that we didn't do. We, there was no, nothing right. we did.
0: What do you think caused that shift in her? I mean, where'd that I come from? I think it was a mental, I think she had a mental
1: thing. I think... Her daughter was jealous of us. And I think her daughter was feeding her a lot of poison, you know, about us because she was getting older. And I think maybe her daughter thought that, you know, maybe she'd leave her money to us. And we didn't want her money. We, I didn't have any, anything about that. I just loved her. And so this was just devastating. We ended up spending all of our nest egg on attorneys and actually ended up having to take bankruptcy because we had not nothing left. And it was just devastating. And I gotta tell you that took some time and I worked on it for years. I mean, literally I worked on it for years and years. You talk about layers, I would forgive something and then it would come back and there would be something else and I'd have to forgive that. And then I'd have to come back and forgive that. But when it came down to what was the main thing is that again, I needed to speak my truth. I wanted to defend us against her accusations right from the beginning and my husband said don't defend yourself. He said just let go of it and, and it'll all be okay. Well it wasn't okay <laughs> mm-hmm. and I should have right away defended myself and spoke my truth and I think then it would have nipped it in the bud and we wouldn't have had that whole thing. So. What I've learned is that anytime there's anything false said about me, I immediately jump on it. I don't let it go. I don't let it simmer or fester because what we did was we just allowed it to fester. Mm -hmm. So the big takeaway from that was that I needed to speak my truth. Right.
0: Right which was something that I guess you learned in an earlier betrayal. And it's a powerful concept that needs to be reinforced. So what's something, yeah. So what's something, uh, what advice would you give listeners who are struggling with a betrayal and they, you know, maybe they've had more than one and they're wondering, you know, why is this happening and what could possibly be the benefit or what can I, what can I gain from this experience?
1: Well, and, and see, here's the thing, asking those questions, not of your head. See, here's the thing that's so key to all of this work is that you've got to get out of your head. If you're in your head and you're trying to figure it out, you're in the wrong place. It's not going to work because you're not going to get the answer from your head. You're going to get it from your inner voice because that inner voice is the truth. And so what you have to do is learn how to be quiet, ask the question and then listen. And most people don't know how to listen. They're too busy with the chatter in their head. And so when you listen to your inner voice, then you hear the answers. And that's how I got the answers that I got was by listening to that inner voice and really understanding that these places that I was having to heal because they had shown up. There's a quote that I love from, Carl Jung, you know who Carl Jung is. He's mm-hmm, a famous mm-hmm. psychologist. Sure. He said, That which you do not bring to consciousness appears in our life as fate. Hmm. Oh, I love that. You do not bring to consciousness appears in our life as fate. So when you have something happen to you, it seems like it's out there. But the truth is, it's in here. Because one of the ways I like to think about my belief system is I like to think of a projector, an old style movie projector where you have the roll of film Mm -hmm. that's down in front of the light and then the light shines and it, it shows the film on the screen. Well, I like to make the analogy that our belief system is the film. And that film is going in front of the light, which is our energy. And whatever we focus our energy on expands into expression, which then becomes a part of our life. Well, the part that most people don't realize is that 90% of their belief system is subconscious and it was formed by the time they were, well, some psychologists say three, some say five, some say Mm -hmm. eight, and I don't really care. I just know it's formed in your childhood and you don't know what's running you. You wonder, why can't I get out of bed in the morning and go exercise? But it's because there's some belief that you're holding that, it's way more important to stay in bed than it is to get out.
0: That secondary gain and that mind chatter is so much louder than that inner voice.
1: And it just, um, it's just a belief that hasn't been challenged. So here we are running our life and doing things that seem irrational, like overeating or overspending or wasting time or whatever it is we're doing. And until we get to what is the belief behind that and change the belief, then we can heal that and create different habits.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you want to leave everybody with?
1: Well, I guess the most important thing is to give yourself time to listen to yourself, to really pay attention to what you're feeling One of the assignments that I always give my clients is to take their disappointments, their wounds, their pain, their hurt and allow yourself to look at it. Allow yourself to bring up whatever it is that's around that, that you mostly have suppressed. You know, there's four things that we do with our feelings. One is we suppress we push it down. Two, we hide it, which is addiction. We, you know, hide from it. The third is we express it. You know, people who just, you know, their emotions are right on their sleeve and they're just, you know, they're blowing up or they're crying or whatever. And then the fourth one is to acknowledge and release. And that's what I teach my client is how to acknowledge your feelings and how to release them and then create what you want instead. And so when I use my my tools that I've mm-hmm. been given to heal these things and to to be quiet and to really listen to my inner voice, then I know that I I can heal anything. Anything can be healed, no matter how bad, no matter how traumatic, anything can be healed. Wonderful.
0: Eva, that's great advice. It's gonna help a lot of people. I want to thank you so much. And where can everybody find you?
1: So I have a gift for everyone. So if they'll go to Love E-V-A-L-O-V-E dot net, N-E-T forward slash betrayal, then I have a free gift. And if people want to just contact me to maybe set up a time to chat, they can just email me at, eva at evalove.net.
0: Wonderful, and everything is going to be in the show notes. Eva, thank you so much. I just uh, you've you've done some amazing healing work, and I know what you've learned. You share to everybody, and, and who's lucky enough and blessed enough to find you. So, thanks for your time. And any final word before before we end? No,
1: I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you for doing this show because this is not a, a topic that not many people want to get into because it's painful. And people who have been betrayed, often just don't want to think about it. But if they were willing to face it, and to look at it, they will have incredible freedom from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It knocks us down, but it does not have to knock us out. We can get back up stronger, better, wiser, more healed and happy than ever before. Thanks so much. I just want to thank Eva so much for being a guest on the podcast today. I'll have links to connect with her, which I'll share in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Each betrayal gives us so much to learn about ourselves, about life. And when we do, we're so much stronger, wiser, and better. If you haven't already, head over to pbtinstitute.com and get my gift how your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.